What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week we are talking killer thrillers with David Fincher's Seven and James Wan's Revolutionary Saw. So, I'm saying it. So I guess you already know who's going to win today. No, okay. Um, sorry, it's really weird. We just got a new like headphone splitter thing and my... Doesn't sound right. Yeah, like there's something... I don't know. My ears are funny. Your ears are funny? My ears feel funny. I think it's because you can't EQ out. I sound like I got to like blow my headphones nose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm with you. Like it's my headphones need to pop or something. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I Be- think... I don't know what it is. It's, it's just because we're not coming directly from the board. Welcome to Tech Talk. It's a podcast inside a podcast. Talking about tech. It's t- two tech heads that Thriller know tech nothing killers. about tech. Talking about tech. <laughs> Saying tech way too much. You see that tech? Nation. <laughs> I'm a big fan of tech mechs. Um... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this week on the podcast, we're talking some long-awaited films. Thriller-ish films. Some pretty gross, gory, murder, serial, killer, psychotic, maybe? Sure. Killers? I don't know if they're psychotic. Is there any killer that isn't psychotic? I don't know. I think the psychopathy definition when used in tandem with thrillers and horror films is pretty broad. It's a pretty liberal representation of what psychopathy really is. That's because people who are deemed sane don't kill people. That's not necessarily true. If that was true, then death row would be empty. Okay, all right. People deemed sane, on average... Don't go around killing people because of some ideology they have, or just some set of rules. I like think they're not they're not killing is, people to prove a point. Sanity is a spectrum. Okay. Um, I would agree that they are not of sound 
mine. Why is well, mind? <laughs> like it should be they're not of sound mind. They're of sound not belief. of sound mind. Mind. You have to say it like that. <laughs> that's that's how you get the spectrum. That's how you get the air quotes out <laughs> through the podcast. Okay. Um, but before we get into this week's films, uh, what is keeping you creepy? Very funny, and uh this week I for the longest time, and I, I don't know where it came from. And it, it's I the whiteboard. It is to, the whiteboard's I, fault. I, yeah, so I got a whiteboard in front of me here that we keep in the office. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of important dates, film festivals, to-dos, you know, personal goals, but also just like a, a release schedule of the upcoming podcasts and upcoming movies in the theater, uh, which we will record additional bonus episodes for on Patreon, uh, one of which I have listed here, March 15th, Us. I've been so <laughs> looking forward to seeing us on March 15th. Yeah. And then uh, today I was cruising through Instagram as you do swipe, swipe, swipe. I went to go pre-buy tickets. And the Instagram post that they put out today was like 11, 11 days, days. <laughs> us movie. And I was like, hang on. But we're seeing it. Wait. In what? Two days from now. Three days from now. Yeah. Oh, well. So now we got to wait like an extra week. And I'm not about that because all these people on the Twitter net have already seen it and love it so much, yeah. and you cannot get away from I've it. I've been holding on to that, too. It's just like, oh, we're not at South by Southwest. But it's out next week. No big deal. Like, five days. Oh, you got to see it a week early? Good for you. Now they get to hold it over our goddamn heads forever. Ugh. Two weeks? It's It might as well be a year. I've been avoiding my feed, like, so hard through South by Southwest because, one, envy. Two, spoilers. More envy. And three, more envy. Did you see those vampire libraries? What? No, don't tell me. <laughs> I don't want to know. Nope, I gotta. I I'm saw sorry. the Pet Cemetery I'm... children. I was like, oh, I, I am out. I am out of, no, I don't want to know. Yeah. Tell them. I'm going to pluck my ears. That's fine. Go go for it. So uh, in Austin, Texas, where South by Southwest is taking place right now, uh, as part of a promo for What We Do in the Shadows, no! there are all of these free little no! coffin libraries scattered around the city, and at dusk, Brand. there are books inside. No. And so everybody's walking away with like free copies of Henry James' Turn of the Screw. What? Yeah, and they come with bookmarks that have like uh, cool uh, promo images for the for the TV show and whatnot. Yeah. Free books at dusk. That shows the vampire library. Yep, Isn't it? I think so. This month sometime. Maybe. That's exciting. Um, also, if you haven't caught the news, last week we dropped a mini-sode, a 10-minute or so episode, which we're going to start doing in between our regularly scheduled episodes. So we will still be technically a bi-weekly podcast, but we are going to give you a heads up in those off weeks on the topic we're going to be covering uh, on the next episode. So like last week, we already told you that we were doing Saw and Seven to give you an opportunity to watch the films if you so wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's also a way for us to talk to you guys more frequently about news and current events. Yeah. And when we see movies and stuff, rather than having to wait two weeks, it's it's just a way for us to be more timely with these little news blibs, which I think is a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to hear about all the movies that we're mistakenly not seeing <laughs> and uh, all anything that gives us uh, just pure f hatred and jealousy <laughs> um and two if by some chance you haven't seen the new t-shirt which we've been promoting uh the last month or so definitely check that out on our instagram or at store.nofspodcast.com it is the coolest t-shirt of all time and uh we're so excited to start seeing people wearing them um and sharing them on social media and stuff there's 
there's so many cool photos and there, thank you guys so and, much for oh, buying yeah. them so far everybody it's not look, we did not ask anybody to do this but like there has been a common thread where everybody just has like a ghost face like ah, while, while they're, uh, they're they're modeling their shirt and it's <laughs> amazing so if you want to look extra spooky you know where to go i think that's enough stuff up top kim are you ready to talk about james wan's saw the fucking the movie that started it all i sure hope so <laughs> Someone there? I can hear you. Who is that? Who's in there? Saw from 2004, currently sitting at a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 46% Metacritic rating, and a 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Kind of all over the place. Really all over the place. IMDb liked it. Everybody else was like, meh, Letterboxd liked it. I would say 3.4 is pretty high for Letterboxd. Definitely a good rating. Low for Rotten Tomatoes. That might be the... Scrappiness of it? When did Rotten Tomatoes start, right? Was Rotten Tomatoes like already in full force when Saw came out? I wouldn't say full force. It probably existed. Mm. Just a scrappy little upstart. Just oh, let us show us here at our tomatoes. <laughs> that's, that's how I imagine baby Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> you guys want to see our tomatoes? Why didn't critics like it? Um, well, I recall, especially too, there was a lot of, not controversy around the film when it came out, but it was definitely slapped with the torture porn sticker. Oh, right. Yeah, because that's the reason why I saw it. My sister had rented it, and I watched it with her, I think, and, but there was something, like, seedy about seeing it, like... Oh, we're not supposed to say this. Yeah, like, the I same brought it thing, home in a paper bag. <laughs> the same thing when Hostel came out. Like, I watched Hostel with my sister because she had rented it. And... You watched it at home? Mm-hmm. Saw, I saw both Hostel and Saw in the movie theater, like, opening weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. My friend's friend, I should say, and I saw Saw on Halloween night. You had an older friend, though. So your friend is the same age as my sister was, so... Kind of the same friggin' story. <laughs> well, no, okay, I'm just like, I was like, we gotta see this movie. I, I don't know if it played up on, on us wanting to see it was played up by the controversy surrounding it. Uh, I think we just saw the trailer and we're like, yeah, we gotta check this out. Do you know what year Hostel came out? Was It It was around the same time as this, right? Yeah, maybe like a year Within or a few, two yeah. after. Yeah, you got, this came out in 2004. I mean, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say like 2005, 2006. I was well, thinking 2003. For Hostel? Yeah. Shit, I don't know. Get a quick Google on that. 
Ooh, 3% battery. No, eh. oh, I don't care about real hostels. <laughs> 2005. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so saw kickstarts. You're right. The 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 torture porn stuff. That's uh you're right. This movie was fraught with controversy because of it. It was Which is kind of crazy watching it now because it is we're, like we're doing it in our cop thriller episode. <laughs> right? Exactly. And it's not uh if it's been a long time since you've seen this movie and you think it's this super gory violent thing, you should rewatch it. It's a lot like uh, it's a lot like Scarface when Scarface came out. As far as everybody's concerned, they saw somebody get their arm cut off with a chainsaw. It's not true at all. It's really good, quick editing um, that also is like a visceral reaction uh, that you have to to what you see. You do not see as much gory stuff as you think you do. Yeah, I think the concept too of this killer who devises these contraptions that are gonna like explode and implode and. Uh, destroy your body were kind of a bit of a revolutionary thing so good point and they were i think they were marketed pretty interesting too because i remember knowing about the um bear trap thing on the face and being like what the fuck i need to see that yeah i don't know if it had to be in the trailer right like it it had to be in the promo stuff that i saw before it because coming out of the theater it was like that is the fucking thing to look for the bear trap like when you recommend this movie to anybody if they haven't seen it like oh man there's this scene where they got this like let's call it a reverse bear trap uh on her head oh man it's gonna blow up go crazy tear her face apart like that's doesn't (laughs) but no but you gotta you gotta make them believe it's gonna happen oh so you gotta lie to your friends yeah, to get them to see this movie? Of course I would. <laughs> I lie to people all the time to get them to watch horror movies. Like, oh, Hereditary? No, no, it's not that bad. Not that bad. It's not very scary. No. We lied to we lied to two, some co-workers back in 2013 to get them to come to the Evil Dead remake with us. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I don't remember that. It was Karma and her wife. They came. They hate horror movies. <gasps> And we saw the Evil Dead remake? It was the second time we saw it. I made them come with us because I knew she hated horror movies. You're That's, terrible. But I was like, oh, this is really good. I warned her ahead of time. Like, yeah, there's some blood. And there's some gore and stuff. But I mean, if you can if you can handle this Red Band trailer, you'll handle a movie. No big deal. It, she almost got up and left. It was just destroying her. <laughs> but she made it through. I don't remember that at all. I don't even movie. remember seeing that movie in the theater, let alone twice. Twice, yeah. Things did do. <laughs> so what was it like watching this movie? Like in a dark, I imagine, I imagine all the lights off watching it in the basement, right? Mm, I don't remember. Oh, okay. I don't, like, I, I remember, I remember the movie. Yeah. But we've watched it a bunch since then. And like, I, I do remember really enjoying it because I kind of got aboard the sequel train. Like I saw all of the sequels in theaters up until I think the third one, which is a lot for me. <laughs> That's a lot for me. I saw all of them. <laughs> no, of the next eight i saw two well and don't they come out on halloween basically yeah yeah the fact that i saw one two or two and three in theaters was like a big thing and then there was all that pig guts and i was like well that's enough saw i depart you here that's so funny you know now that you mentioned it i'm almost i'm almost certain we went to the movie theater in our halloween costumes i think we went and that's did awesome. like halloween stuff and then saw a movie that's cool and then we ran into somebody else who was also in their costume, who we knew, who was seeing, like, some kid movie. Like, what are you doing, man? Because he <laughs> saw with us. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. I'm dressed as a baseball player. <laughs> I'm not going to see your horror movie. Did you know anything else about this movie before you watched it? See, I don't, I just don't remember. This is too, yeah. f- I was so, But 13, you don't remember anything 14, being spoiled, is out? what I mean. 
Like the ending was still like crazy for you. So I definitely knew somebody sawed their foot off. I think everybody I, I knew. I think that's in the trailer. Yeah. yeah, somebody was cutting off their foot. Yeah. But I didn't know the whole corpse in the room. Dun, 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 stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to sing along with you. We've done that once before. That score never lets you down. Dun, 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 dun. That's yeah. not it. But <laughs> what is it? How does dun, it dun, 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 dun. You had it. Oh, you did good. <laughs> I guess. If you're monotone and you've never heard an instrument before in your life, I did a good job. I would have loved to have seen this movie at TIFF, like in that like Midnight Madness audience that got to see it for the first time. Because let's let's just say you know nothing going in, like oh, just some like small directors from New Zealand, Australia. Whatever. Yeah, I think like, it's all in like one room. It's yeah, yeah, well, super this, low budget, whatever. This is pre-escape room. This there weren't escape I think this rooms is pre- in every es- yeah, town. Pre-escape rooms. That's yeah. what I meant. Pre-escape the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Post laser tag though. Post laser tag. <laughs> so we're Thanks all familiar. for clarifying that. <laughs> if you guys are trying to figure out where it fits in the timeline of your life, you've been to a laser tag. You've heard rumors of. All right. This so thing. you don't yeah. have board game cafes. Regular cafes, yes, but laser tag. Yeah, iPod Nanos are just on the horizon. Oh, Generation gonna, one. Yeah, we can't wait to have thirty songs in our pocket. Saturday night, and you want to do something fun, but you don't want to go out drinking. You got go karts. You have laser tag, and that's it. Indoor mini putt. That's what. Is that like a thing everywhere? Or do we just know. happen to live near one? Because I, I hate indoor mini putt. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do you got to hate on indoor? Okay. You, <laughs> you, go to, you go to an indoor mini putt once. You see a kid ahead of you whack a ball with as much force <laughs> as he possibly can into a dark room where there's just glow in the dark paint. And that ball just like ricochets off everything <laughs> around it before hitting some innocent bystander. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Can't wait for this. I like that one. It's got glowing turtles. You like the thrill of the putt? Is that what it is? <laughs> well, there's that one in Niagara Falls that's fun with the There's never anybody pirates, there. That's why it's... Make, what makes it fun. Okay. I hate when you're stuck in a putt and somebody had to use going so fucking slow. And then you're right when you're in indoors, like you're in this weird maze of tunnels, so you can't just skip ahead and then go back. And it's not like real golf; you can't just like post up, order some drinks, and like wait those people out. Like you guys got to keep slogging through. I hate slogging. It's the worst. So saw. Yeah. How much of it was spoiled for you? None. I knew nothing. Oh, that's why well, I, I saw the trailer, so I knew whatever the trailer was showing me, but it was all fresh. Like, one of my favorite movie experiences of all time. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. I don't... How old was I? When did this movie come out? 2004. 2004. I would have been 16. Does that sound about right? That does not sound right. So, I feel like Saw came out in 2001. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I was 16. Also, I guess I went to a Halloween party. I wasn't trick-or-treating. Yeah, 1998. Would have been 10. Another two years. 12. 2004. 16. I feel like that's way too late for Saw. Did Saw really come out in 2004? Yeah, because you're telling me stories about being 13 and watching it. You would have been 15 at most. That doesn't make any sense. 2004, right? It says 2004. Yeah. Fucking weird. And that's the, that's the initial theatrical release. October 2004. Goddamn. Hmm. That makes sense, though. When you think about watching Hostel, you weren't 12, right? No, that I, I definitely was in high school. All right. Well, I can I can assure you. You were in high school for both of these movies. Wow. Yeah, but you're like 13 when you go into high school, right? Are you? Yeah. I was 14. No, you weren't. Sure I was. No, you weren't. My birthday's in July, bitch. Oh, mine's. I mean, I was 14. <laughs> yeah, why did I say <laughs> that like I like it was something different? <laughs> I actually don't know what that means. Okay, let's go through Saw. Yeah. Let's talk about Saw. Yeah. Probably uh, our last ingenious 
scrappy indie movie, right? I think the last ingenious cop thriller. <laughs> okay, well, I'm talking like indie-wise. Like, okay, we got one room, no money. How do we do this? We got two rooms. One of them is Paranormal Activity. Okay, you're right. We haven't had one since Paranormal Activity. Thank you. I'm going to keep saying that even though there's like a thousand other movies that are incredible and have no money whatsoever. But when we talk about zeitgeist horror movies that change the landscape. Or like, yeah, movies that came out of the middle of, came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, of the 2000s, I think there's Just Saw and Paranormal Activity, right? Arguably. I mean, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, no. People listen to this podcast? No. Anybody <laughs> anybody outside of the horror community? Yes. Like, these are two of the six horror movies they've watched in the last 18 years. Well, I'm talking about that, like, quadruple thousand percented their budget. Oh, yeah. Because this was cost a million dollars to make and made a hundred million dollars in the box office. This cost a million? I'm thinking like a hundred thousand dollars. Not that I can, I can like, oh, it looks like a hundred thousand dollars. I just, I just always assume as little as possible. Well, I read briefly that they were initially going to make it with thirty thousand dollars, and then they were like, nah, we can't do that because that initially it was route. written just to be a single room movie. It was just the two characters in the one room. There was none of that extra cop yeah. stuff, um, and like the we didn't get to see inside of Jigsaw's other traps. So no flashbacks or anything either. Then. It was just the two room. I mean, I and like that idea. they filmed a short too. They had yeah. to, that's what helped them get their financing. I'd love to see the short. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it. I just saw it show up on Letterboxd when I was looking for the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, cute. C- which was confused me at first. Like, saw two thousand three. I'm like, that's it. And then right above it, saw two thousand four. I'm like, oh, that's that, that's gotta be it. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a sucker for movies that take place in single locations. I'm okay with some flashbacks and whatnot, but if like primarily your story is taking place in one room, I'm there. Um, which is funny because like, if it's got bad dialogue, it falls apart entirely. Exactly. It hinges entirely on like, did you actually make characters or because when you trap people in a room, that's when their true nature really get has to really makes itself apparent. Yeah. And so much, uh, there have to be things hidden within the room and it can't feel cheesy when you find them. And it really doesn't in this movie. And I think it's all because they spent a lot of time focusing on who Jigsaw is. Like, who is that killer? What does he do? Why does he do it? And what is his M.O.? Mm-hmm. And I think it, the, the fact that he's playing a game with them and he doles out clues and info as they go on is really what makes this perfect because that is essentially the template for this type of movie that we have. They're going to figure stuff out as time goes on and it's really only because he allows them to. Yeah, all of the information they get is tiny little morsels that are all primed to go at at the moment that he releases them which Mm -hmm. is crazy because once it's set into motion it's all kind of like an automaton it goes kind of on its own so to kickstart the movie adam and gordon wake up in this rundown old public bathroom almost a warehouse bathroom it's a large bathroom it's definitely some sort of washing station with several urinals and and a tub windows mirrors Windows. It's a bathroom. Yeah. Of sorts. And they wake up. They're both chained to either side of the room with very limited mobility. They can't high five. <laughs> they can't play soccer. Neither, neither of them could goalie their own nets. Very limited mobility. Okay, good work. Nor can they escape. Also, yeah, that's also true. Something that you would check if you could do. Yeah, the only thing separating them is the vast expanse of a 20 by 20 bathroom and, and a dead body. So in the very middle of the bathroom is some guy who's blown his brains out. Yeah, because if there's that much poison in your blood, the only choice you have left 
is to kill yourself. You have to do the... Um, That's not a good impression, jigsaw. though. No, I don't care. It's funny, okay. though. It's All funny because right. it's not good. Okay, thanks. So at least ten more times this episode. The reveal on that body is so good and just so great. Like, it, you look at it, you're like, yeah, this is 100% a James Wan movie where we corpse. trail across... Yeah, hey. corpse. Up, li- li- crane, slight crane up, twist, fucking around. <laughs> like, do you think that was actually done in camera or do you think they did that digitally after the fact? It was probably done in camera. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's uh, part of their million-dollar budget is getting those camera shots. It's so angles. funny because I, when I was writing down notes when we watched this movie, I was like, everything about this movie feels so um, 13 Ghosts. Or not 13. Feels so House on Haunted Hill, the remake. You know, like the stutter, fast motion. It's just like everybody in from, the, from 1999 to 2005 was like, let's make every horror movie ever a Marilyn Manson music video. Right. You know what I mean? And we were better for it. <laughs> Don't you miss when when horror movies were metal, like like new oh, pop man. metal? Let's, like, I, I am very much looking forward to talking to about the opening title credits of Seven for that very reason. Yeah, we were just like, yeah, <laughs> I have undiagnosed Ray. <laughs> there is definitely no shortage of people out there watching this going like, oh, another one of these fucking... What do you even call... It's not metal. It's like... Uh, uh, back in the day, we called it new metal. Goth rock. Computer goth rock. Right? Sure. Marilyn Manson. And Marilyn Manson. With a big yeah. giant rubber ducky. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we called it new metal. I don't think we had a very good name for it. I don't even know what anybody calls it now. I it think, doesn't exist now. I think they just call it, we don't listen to it anymore. <laughs> like, we call it Slipknot and Friends. <laughs> like, that was, that was that era. But every horror movie had it. Oh, yeah. How many, how many podcast episodes have we recorded where Static X was included <laughs> in the soundtrack? The cold was so cold. This movie could have just as easily had Static X in it, and you know it. It's very true. Yeah, because there's so much of that stutter fast camera. And- yeah. He really perfected it later on, though, obviously. I mean, but he had it down. Uh, he knew what he was doing, like, from the get-go. Uh, and you, you see the, the footprints that, that would lead into, like, much more polished stuff later in his career. Um, specifically, probably the scariest scene of the entire movie, when it came out, where Adam, played by Lee Wonell, is walking through his apartment late at night because he thinks he hears something. Oh, man. I was going to talk about that scene. Yeah, it's so fucking scary. Yeah. To, rather than turning the lights on like a normal person, uh, we are... Or maybe he tries. Is the power out? Anyway, he's trying to figure out whether or not there's somebody in the apartment. And to do so, he's using the flash on his camera. And uh, the sound design in that scene is just as good as, as how it's photographed, right? Because like you have like your heart like... Ch-ching! And the camera's got to wind back up. We don't see anything, but we think we might see someone. We only had half a fucking second. And then, oh, there's a pig face! That's one thing you have to give this movie credit for is how well, at the very beginning of their careers, this is Lee Winnell's first screenwriting credit. This is yeah. James Wan's first directing credit. They came from Australia and tried to sell this movie to make this movie um, that they've been working on since 2001. They fucking know horror yeah that scene with the with the photography and the darkness and the pig mask just shows you how much they understand the genre well obviously obviously they did look at their fucking careers now right but just like billion dollar movies now but like scrappy kids with their first movie and it's they understand tension and timing and like that scene i don't i don't know if um i can't specifically say if that photo tool had been used before but I remember it terrifying. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's in something before this because 
that's just obvious. But, but how long they hold and how many times they do it before yeah. you see anything like that, that takes some fucking skill mm-hmm. to, yeah. to make tension out of that. So many times we've seen that scene now and it doesn't do anything. And maybe it's because we've seen it before or we know what to do or we know what happens. But if they do it long enough and you don't see anything for long enough and then they get you right when you're in that period where you've kind of given up. Yeah. Like that's when you fucking jump. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's nuts because it is the scariest scene of the entire movie. In a movie where people are horribly tortured and like just awful shit happens. And that's all anybody's talking about. But the scariest moment of this, the, scene, the scariest sequence of this entire movie is where almost nothing happens. Mm-hmm. It's just that tension that's so brilliantly built on that. Yeah, so this has kind of happened after we've discovered Gordon's wife and his daughter have been kidnapped mm. in their own home. <laughs> yeah, and, right after he left, yeah. Uh, there's That's a scary scene, There's too. also another level, too, where there's two police officers who are trying to determine who this killer is. They keep coming upon a bunch of different people who have been murdered in these really elaborate and brutal traps. There's... There are, there are way into Jigsaw, too, though, because... Because Gordon uh, knows about Jigsaw when they wake up. He's like, oh shit, this looks exactly like this guy that's all over the news. And then he fills us in on these char- on this character through the detectives who are convinced that he might actually have something to do with it. Um, well, because they keep finding his stuff, his syringe, his pen at scenes of the crime. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy that they haven't brought him in any sooner. Like, you, you find pieces of his stationery at two crime scenes, boom, you're getting locked up for a while. They just they they sit they make them sit there and listen to other people talk about the the horrors of their own encounters with Jigsaw. So much of this movie is is done through backstory, right? Like it's people's memories of things. I, we are like it's Inception. We're going from one person to another to another to another. It's really well layered, though. I love how how much we get to learn about Jigsaw in the very first film. Seeing all all of the extra cases or incidents of these traps sets us up to be afraid for these two people in the bathroom. Because at surface level, this bathroom trick or whatever it is of Jigsaw's isn't a big trap that's going to pop or explode. No, we it's just a room they're trapped in. With chains, that's it. There's yeah. there's no what like time ticking down. I guess they have till 6 o'clock or whatever. Yeah, but, there, there is literally time ticking down. But there's no machine that's going to go buzz and explode. Yeah. Whereas all of the things that we've seen up until that point are MacGyvered contraptions. There's a guy that gets caught in a maze of barbed wire. <sighs> there's a, the girl who almost gets her face exploded, but she kills a guy. <laughs> And we've uh, there there is even another uh, person who I think was like his assistant or something who's got those drills that are just gonna like come and tear out his brain. But it helps make Jigsaw this mythical character. Like he's like uh, he's like Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. Um, another cop procedural. He's larger than life by the time we encounter him, and I think that's genius because now we we think he can do anything. We've even seen him escape the police. Like even his house is super duper booby trapped. Yeah, with that crazy shotgun bar- yeah. like wire trip. I will say this first movie though, um there is one moment where John Kramer, uh, the Jigsaw character, does something that he would never do in any of the other movies. It's when he's running away from the police and he turns and shoots at them. I don't think that's something he would have done, right? Mm. That's interesting. I guess he also just wouldn't have gotten caught. Like, by the time we get to Saw 2 and Saw 3 and stuff, he's just fucking the superhero villain level of of intelligence. You know, something about this Saw I was thinking, too. I love this Saw. This is my favorite Saw. Oh, it's the best Um, one. 
I'm not, see, I'm not huge on franchises, so, like, I'm always going to say stuff like that, but the later Saw films, I don't know if there's a lot of, like, kidnapping your family stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, a lot of that, yeah. Oh, is there? Because yeah. I was thinking they, they kind of concentrate things specifically to sinners in that one, whereas, like, this guy's family getting murdered. Because- yeah, and they just they just don't appreciate their life and how they have it. Like, they're just like, ruining their, their entire lives by the decisions that they make. His kidnapping is a little strange, yeah. But I, I guess it's because he's very dismissive of people like John Kramer, who's clearly dying. Yeah, and, and that well, and his orderly Zep too gets kind of the cold shoulder from him, which yeah. might be why he ends up kind of helping Jigsaw. I don't even think he's helping. Even though that ends up being like a game in itself, but like because he's got slow, slow acting poison coursing through his veins, and he's got a he goes, you... he does a lot of like he becomes a full out assistant. He's manning Jigsaw's phone calls. <laughs> He's booking them tables at restaurants. <laughs> He's like, that poison, I will, I am the only one with the antidote. What if that's how you get a personal assistant these days? <laughs> you tell them that there's... I have injected you with a slow action poison. You have 17 days before I will give you the remedy, but you have to do my bidding. No, it's you, you will die no matter what, but Please. every day I will give you a Wax pill. my shoes. Wax my shoes. <laughs> yeah. Buff my shoes. Do something with my shoes. <laughs> Get them out of my sight. Or I will murder you. Nay, swift but slow death. I mean, that sounds like an internship. At least what an, <laughs> at least what an internship feels I like. I will pay you an exposure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, modern day horrors. <laughs> Very. The other thing that's really good in this movie is uh, making you think that everybody's Jigsaw. And that's something you can't do in any of the other movies, right? Yeah. Because, well, you know, as we, This is more mystery. Yeah. It's 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 our first introduction to to all of this. In some of the later movies, you um you aren't aware of how many people are involved in like Jigsaw's planning. So there's a bit of that. Yeah, cuz in the second one and the third one, I think it's just like, "And I'm the assistant now." Oh, I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> almost positive like Dr. Gordon becomes an assistant in <laughs> Saw 6 or something. There's um, everybody that encounters him except Donnie Wahlberg becomes <laughs> enveloped into his lifestyle. The problem with establishing a killer for which something that ends up being a franchise and giving him inoperable brain tumor and yeah. and making him surely die is you gotta train some protégés and he like a hundred percent dies in the third one he's dead like we that's the end of the story but then like a good comic book oh we've got other stories to tell in between here and you oh you didn't know but saw one is actually technically like saw four if you really want to like lay it out (laughs) uh isn't jigsaw the one that just came out like technically the first one or something yeah because it's like way before everything well before it all but when you do that, the the traps have to be less elaborate. So it's just like, learn who he was, but yeah. be less entertained by the horror. That's, and you're like, I'm not sold. <laughs> that is always the prequel problem. You, you get like bigger and bigger stuff. By by that first, first saw, he should just be like shooting staples at people. <laughs> Sucks, right? Mm, don't you hate you this? You gave me the orange jello. <laughs> yeah. I asked for the green. This is him shooting the stapler at the nurses. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I've, I've trapped you in a room, and no matter where you step, you will kick a bed frame. Can you stub your toe enough times to reach the door, or will you simply just lay down and die? Also, my pen needs emptying. <laughs> oh. Um. But so, like, this guy, <laughs> I have to say, Jigsaw is pretty horrible. I know, like, jury's still out on general audience reception to Jigsaw. 
When you, oh, when you say horrible, you mean like as a character or just as a human being? As a human being. Oh, he's terrible. He's awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Okay. What makes him a good guy? Like, oh, these people are jerks, so I better kill them. Like, that's not a good guy whatsoever. You make you make him a very interesting villain by saying, "Does the world miss these people?" But you're still killing people that don't. Well, I guess you can't say they don't deserve it. Like in in the in a way, some of them do, but. Yeah, I don't think anybody really deserves to die. <laughs> well, and the whole thing, too, is he's, like, on this huge high horse just because he's now dying and he's now been, he's now been diagnosed with cancer. And it's just like, so what I'm Jigsaw, gonna... you lived your life, not grateful <laughs> for your life, but now that you have cancer, you are grateful. Yeah. And you are murdering innocent people. Because, like, he's, does he do that in the mirror every morning? <laughs> and, like, cut himself shaving on purpose? Like... <laughs> Just to feel something. Yeah. yeah, so your doctor tells you you got eight months left to live. You better you better use them wisely. You better live it to the fullest. Like, mm, you know what I should do? Murder people. Everybody! <laughs> like, I'm going to kill... Like, let's let's just think of some of the knowledge we have of, of the franchise. Better kill the, the neighbor of mine who I have. Uh, some insurance broker who helps set up a the charity fund that my wife is involved in. Like, everybody that comes in contact with John Kramer must die. You looked at me funny. Yeah. Ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> you did not use your blinker signal when traveling. <laughs> when... when what is the? I don't even know the term. When changing lanes, you must die. And then, like every every film's like, you're a drug addict, and I know you. I don't know how. What is it that Adam does that's so bad? Is it just that he's like crossing off? Is he really just trying to get rid of people who know his identity at this point? Is that the idea? Because best I can tell, Adam's just like a guy who takes photos for money. You know? Yeah. What does he do that's so bad? I don't know. He does not deserve to be there. Also, he gets the shit end of the stick on this movie. We open on some guy who's like underwater and a plug gets pulled and something goes down a drain. You're like, okay, that's really strange. Odd, but let's let's see where we go from here. Oh, God, we're in a room. You completely forget about all that until you get to the end of the movie and you realize the opening shot was the key. The key is in that tub. You're like, you didn't even give me a chance. You gave everybody else a chance but me. Yeah. I wouldn't have stopped trying to use that saw to cut through uh, through that chain. Never. I would have just kept going. I don't care how dull it is. It's still going to work. They had a gun at one point. I would have been shooting at that chain. Uh, they had a gun after he cut his foot off. And there was only one bullet. Oh. And the whole idea was for him to kill Adam. But no, didn't they steal the gun from Zep for Zep? Or yeah, they did. yeah, that's true. Got a gun from Zep. Um... But unfortunately, when he tries to, to shoot Jigsaw, he uh, gets electrocuted. Gets electrocuted. We haven't talked about Danny Glover at all in this movie. Well, yeah. So we haven't even talked about the mystery, though. So when they both wake up. <laughs> we they... haven't talked about the inciting incident. <laughs> they get that. They find tapes in their pockets. They listen to the tapes. They find out that the task of at hand is that Gordon needs to kill Adam before 6 p.m. Or they're both trapped in there and Gordon's family will be murdered. Yeah. And Jigsaw ain't bluffing. He does actually have his family, which we find out at some point when they get a phone and the family's calling and leaving ransom calls, which, you know, later Jigsaw wouldn't do. But this is first time first time around Jigsaw. Well, he, does, he wants people sat. He, he does leave a photo in his wallet with uh, of both his daughter and his wife tied up. But Adam hides that from him. Because he's such a nice guy. And then he's obsessed with staring at it. I guess there's a clue in the back. 
there is there is a clue where it's like in the dark. X marks the spot. Yeah, Close but, your eyes. Yeah. You'll find that spot. Have you ever tried riding on the back of a Polaroid? Oh. Is that your your thing is getting w- worse? <laughs> okay, so like oh, let me center myself a little. Let's let's get back Channel to it. Channel your Tobin Bell. Okay. All right. Nope. I got it. I got it. I got it. Game over. Like that's it. Like that's <laughs> that's all I got. I don't know what the rest of it is. You just sound like you're you've been wanting croissants all your life, but you just got a Danish. And go. I will murder everyone that I've ever seen. <laughs> everyone <laughs> deserves everyone in this cafe deserves to die. <laughs> Danny Glover is obsessed with the doctor at this point. We find out that Danny Glover is actually um, uh, the person who's hired Adam to take the photos of Gordon cheating on his wife. But because he's a good guy, he's not actually cheating. He just... But I think he is. I think he just didn't cheat in that one scene we watched. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, she's, like, taking off her shirt. She's like, it's okay. I know the deal. Yeah, I mean, he was like, no, not this time. There's cameras here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but I think somebody might have taken my photo on the way in. I'm pretty sure he was cheating. Why else were they? They weren't having a work meeting. I think he's done all of the legwork to make cheating possible, but he just hasn't done it yet, which in itself is bad Already kind of cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you booked the hotel room. Yeah, you explain to her what's going to go on. It's like, I gave you specific instructions. I've thought this out. You will you will page me at exactly this moment, and then I will leave. Not a good guy. Plus, uh, not very good at, at figuring out when his photo's being taken. <laughs> there is, I don't know, 70, 80 photos of him. He's following them over the course of like a three-day weekend where he goes and has burgers by himself. Like, that's the real cheat. You don't, <laughs> you don't go have burgers by yourself. You got a family, man. Bring yeah. your wife and daughter for burgers. She wanted a happy meal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there's the, my favorite shot of that entire thing. One is like when he's looking down the hallway at, in the in the seedy hotel and... Like, directly into the camera, doesn't realize his photo's being taken, but when he's leaving his house, which happens to his, the front door for his house happens to go into an alleyway, and the photo is taken inside the alleyway, like, how do you not notice somebody with a crazy flash taking your photo in an alleyway? Luckily for him, though, Danny Glover uh, is is so obsessed, because he's the guy who comes in and saves his wife and daughter from being killed by Zepp. Yeah, because for some reason, Zep, when he kidnaps them, he just ties them up in their own house, and then he's, like, looking out the window. He's not a... Oh, yeah. Why would you look out the window? And Danny Glover, who's been um, kicked off the police force because he went crazy after his partner got shotgunned in the head. And moved in next door, across the street. And it, like... That's cool, though, because they have a really fun red herring where there's a few moments where you suspect that Danny Glover is actually Jigsaw. Yeah. Are they calling him Jigsaw at this point? Do they call yeah, him Jigsaw? Yeah, yeah, because he cuts he cuts out like a Jigsaw piece on his on his victims. Mm. But are they calling him Jigsaw? I think so. That's good. The Jigsaw Killer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do much good once we get to like that warehouse facility area. Zep kind of kind of takes care of him for uh, for everybody, but but he does save uh, the wife and the daughter, which is nice. We have completely forgotten about the doll. Yeah, the doll's weird in this one because he just kind of shows up and does some stuff and there's no real commentary about the doll. There's there's just no, like, none of the characters have this awareness of the doll to be like, what the fuck is that? Why is he using a doll? It just is. It just becomes, like, such a franchise staple. I love it, though. He appears on the TV. He talks to them like, I want to play a game. It's the same guy's voice. (laughs) Yeah, but he never has to show them his identity. They can't be like, oh, it's... He was wearing a cloak. I think I made out a nose. 
really gravelly voice. Like, it was a doll. It was a hand-painted doll. That's what I saw. You got to imagine in some in some small way, John Kramer wanted to be Jim Henson, but he just he was too angry to make the Muppets. And he just, <laughs> I just had to retaliate. But how do I take my love of killing people and making puppets and put it into one collective idea? Hmm. You don't like the doll in this one. I like it. I just wanted the character to be like, what the fuck? What is this doll? I think she's definitely like, what the fuck? What is this doll? When it comes rolling out on that bike after she's just murdered a guy for a key. She's my favorite character in this. She's great in this, yeah. Yeah. She's even, she's really good when she returns in number two as well. Um, That's debatable. But <laughs> I love when the cop's interviewing her and she she's like shell-shocked. And at the end when she's just like, he helped me. And you're just like, fuck, that's dark. Kind of cruel of him to bring her in just to tell that story again. Yeah. Just like, we're just trying to see if uh, this guy's the killer. So we're just going to use you to go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you think he's the killer... Wouldn't he really enjoy this? I guess they're trying to figure it. Like, they could have just shown him a videotape, right? They could have shown him a vi- an interrogation tape that they already had. They yeah. didn't need to bring her in. <laughs> I guess they want to have that moment where she says that he helped me. Because she was a drug addict, and now she isn't. I think she's clean at this point. Probably. I yeah. wouldn't touch drugs again. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Especially that character is still out on the, or that killer is still out on the loose. He could yeah. just lock you back up again. Okay, then he's gonna. He does it in the second one because she started using again. Oh, see, I don't remember the sequence. Quote, unquote. What? Mm, oh, yeah. Mysteries. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but biggest mystery of all, who's that guy on the floor in the middle of him? Who's that guy? He shot himself in the head. I don't know what song you're doing. Yeah, it's Grease 2, but it's... Oh, I'm sorry. My Grease 2 knowledge is pretty limited. I know uh, Strutton. Um, I know Cool Rider. And that's kind of... We all know Cool Rider. Everybody knows Cool Rider. Okay, fine. Like, spoiler alert. The guy in the middle of the floor is John Kramer, the Jigsaw Killer. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know the music again. No, that's okay. You're very close. That sounds... That's... You did it. You're doing great. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, you gotta be I ha- careful I have because to... we have to pay copyright laws if you make it sound too similar to the score. <laughs> uh, I have to hand it to the filmmakers and the decision makers on this film for having that killer fucking score and holding out and not using it until yeah. the very end of the film. There are so many opportunities they could have used it for. Any they could have used it for the barbed wire kill. They could have used it for the reverse bear trap kill. But they held on to yeah, it. Yeah, they could have used it at any time. Until we first used, we first see John Kramer, and it's so fucking impactful. We have no idea what John Kramer looks like at this point. We haven't seen him. In, there are scenes with him that we flash back to where we finally see that he's in them, but we don't recognize him when he stands up and he's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> we know his voice. You do know that you just did the music cue when he's like, rah. Ra 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 and the other character's like, oh my god, he's right. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was the film? If instead of him talking, like being like, your key was in the the bathtub the whole time, he was just like, ba ba ba. What was that, John? Ba 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 ba. You have to speak up a little bit. I can't understand you. Uh, and then he just walks out of the room doing his own theme song. Ba ba ba. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Grabs the door right before we Slams go to black. Head, like, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What are we good? Um, 
But yeah, so really smart too. They they made an icon in that moment. Oh yeah. It wouldn't have been like there's no reason why that's impactful. We don't know who that guy is, but it was just like, wow, he good for him. <laughs> he, he had the the gusto to lie on the floor the whole time. Like, well, he didn't need to be there. No, he really didn't need to. At all. But isn't that oh, it's just so perfect. Like what a great Cuz he ending. likes to watch. Did you have a moment where you thought it was him? At any point while no. you were watching it? Okay. Because my friend and I, we turned to each other like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if it was that guy on the floor? But like, in that way that you... No, you didn't. We did. You invented 100% this. said so that. You're so cool. No, no, no. I believe you. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, no, no. 100% said that to each other, but in that way where totally. you're like, it's definitely not going to be this, but like, wouldn't it be wild? Like, the same way you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if he only spoke in dun 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 so, but like what I'm saying is like technically we didn't even see that coming. We were just joking around with each other about how crazy this movie could be. And it was that crazy. I think the ending more than anything is what got people to see this movie because even oh, if it was- Oh, you get so much in the end. You get the foot being cut off. You find yeah. out who John Kramer is and he fucking makes it out. And just like, oh, so he turns off the light, which gives us like this great like green glow coming from the hallway. There's smoke billowing everywhere and just game over. Like it looks so good. And there's no way you would walk out of that theater and immediately rec- recommend it to- every person you've ever seen if it wasn't that good like if it was just scary and gory you might say like oh there's this crazy movie you gotta see it for how weird it is but like it ended on just like this adrenaline fueled moment where you needed more and like you were so surprised by it and it's so bleak too because the one of the lead characters we were following first of all the second lead character has cut his foot off and is crawling down the hall as john he's, kramer's yep. walking past him he's not gonna make it up that ladder no um but the second character you follow Followed the entire film, you believe in him and you're rooting for him. He found the heart, he found the X, he found all the stuff. He survived the fake poison cigarette. Yeah, and oh, his fake death scene was great. (laughs) 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 Great. Um, But then it's so bleak because now he's going to starve to death in the dark. Oh, man. And a gun just out of reach, too. (sighs) Cell phone out of reach. Everything out of reach. Rough. But you're right, he had no opportunity to get out except for that key. It was gone. Like I mean, he could have cut his foot off too, though. There were two saws. That is very true. He could have cut his foot off. Well, you know what? He could have cut his foot off up until the moment where he like broke the hit the saw in the first two minutes. Of I love the movie. how nonchalantly we're saying like he could have cut his. Oh, foot yeah, off. Oh, you could just cut your foot off. He could have done it. And we were. Deal. I remember we were watching. We were arguing where we would have cut our foot. Like, oh, he's doing <laughs> it above the ankle chain, and I wouldn't have done that. And you're like, I would have. And I was just like, yeah, but it's so narrow at the bottom. You could have just slid on through. And it's like you would have saved more leg. And he's like, what does it matter if you're saving more leg? And it really doesn't. <laughs> and also, this guy's a surgeon. He knows he's gonna. Well, I guess it's it, he's he's got some pressure his family he's got to save his family but there's no way you get out of that building and don't die of just blood loss sepsis sepsis yeah but theory couldn't you or just like thought experiment bring the foot with you he puts the um, foot that's in a good idea pocket. here's the thing you're leaving that room empty-handed you got no weapon <laughs> you should <laughs> at least start chucking the foot <laughs> i would i don't even know if i'd throw it but i mean if you cut he it off the right way the could be a, a boomerang so you can just keep <laughs> rolling it back like, he kicked me in the whoa, face. Whoa, not even. What about the chain? 
Oh, I guess you can't get the chain off. If you could get the chain off, you wouldn't have to cut your foot <laughs> you're off. You're ringing it yeah, around. Yeah, you're just swinging it around, just <laughs> whapping people. That'd be so good. That's an interesting uh, take on that. That's not at all where I was going, but I like it. Yeah, you should bring your foot because, I mean, hey, how how strong is that that heel bone, right? Like, you could definitely hit somebody in the face with that. Oh, seeing... Because, so, there's a really great scene where Lee Wanao finally gets to take out some rage on Zep, who's been an accomplice in this. Yeah. And he bashes his head in with the toilet cover. Mm-hmm. If that was a foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Steven Spielberg, how he replaced all the walkie... All the guns with walkie-talkies. We could maybe just replace the... Just a foot. Just a foot. Pummeling his head. Carrie was like, here, use this. And then he throws it, and he just catches it and then slam that'd be great i'd love that um no but what i'm thinking is couldn't you just like because you've got that thing tied around your ankle and you can't make it around your foot couldn't couldn't you just cut off enough of your heel also what's time is of the essence though if that doesn't work that's less to cut through right i don't know i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and assume no main artery in my heel I don't know. Think, okay, so like I, I know I'm, I'm, I know that I'm sticking my foot in your face right now, and I'm very sorry. People can't hear it, but like, okay, so like, yeah, you've got like an L-shaped foot, and you've got the, yeah, the little clamp. Like your ankle is yeah, huge. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. But so you need to cut your ankle off because uh, this knot know. is the thing. See, that it you gets... just cut this knot off. Like, unfortunately, you can't just cut that knot. I mean, off. you might lose your Achilles tendon, but like, look at this. We just draw a straight line Ugh. from from here across to here, and then I think the 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 slip or the bracelet is gonna slide right down. And you're still loving your big toe. Tiptoe on out. Well, it's got to be a lot easier to get a prosthetic heel than it is a prosthetic everything. I don't know. You could probably just put a wedge in the bottom of your shoe. We should go get some quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I think we've covered enough ground here. Um, What's your rating of Saw? Ooh, um, you know, this film is very scrappy, but it's so well written. I'm not huge on mystery, murder, thriller things nowadays, but I think that's just because we had so many of them in like the 90s and early 2000s. And this is definitely cream of the crop for me because it's it's got all of those cop thriller elements and then it's got this added level of actual true scary horror stuff. Mm-hmm. The reverse bear trap is amazing. The photography horror scare is very, very well done. Uh, so I'm going to say three and a half out of four. I'm also giving this a three and a half out of four because some of that cop stuff really bogs down a little bit in the middle. Even just the the, but the reveals work. are cool. Like, oh, yeah. The maze with the barbed wire we didn't really talk about, but like just seeing that and it's just the aftermath and we're finding out what this character had to go through. You're just like, fuck. Yeah. So much of this movie is, uh, it's just done by the right people is what it comes down to because there is a car chase scene in this movie that is not a car chase whatsoever. We do not film cars racing down the highway. If anything, I think we probably filmed it in a parking lot and the engine was just revving and like there's some smoke behind them and you're just like the camera's just shaking a little bit so it looks like they're moving around. Like that's it. Like they knew exactly how to stretch a dollar, how to make this movie look like the exact movie they wanted to make and it's fucking incredible. And it's scary as shit. Agreed. Agreed. 3.5 out of 4. Dun, dun, dun. Both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Let's talk about a movie whose score Kim can't uh, replicate. Seven. Detective William Somerset is looking for a way out. You're retiring. Six more days and you're all the way gone. So how long have you lived here? Too long. 
Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. I'll show you who your friends and enemies are. Look, I'm going to homicide five years. Not here. Now, we have ourselves a homicide. They're caught in a game. No fingerprints and no witnesses of any kind. Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy right now is he's totally insane. Where the price of sin is death. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this. Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Body was found on Tuesday morning. I hate this city. We're gonna get who did this. This will be the very definition of swift justice. There are two more bodies, two more victims. This guy is methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. He's laughing at us. <laughs> he had a gun. He's two murders away from completing his masterpiece. Hey! So seven from 1995, currently sitting at a 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, 65% on Metacritic, and a 4.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Some nice ratings for seven. You met a lot of people that don't like this movie, though? Pardon? You met a lot of people that don't like this movie? No, no, everybody likes this movie. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Everybody likes it. What's in the bath? (laughs) I'm going to say that at least 12 times. You've been saying it every 12 (laughs) minutes since we watched it. I was saying it while we were watching it. (laughs) The whole time. What's in the bath? It's probably compounded by the fact that we just watched uh, The Wicker Man, right? That has to be. Right? What is that? What is that? It's funny you say the the what's in the box thing, right? Because uh, that's just something that everybody knows before they see the movie right Mm -hmm. did you know the full ending of the movie before you watched it uh well this came out in 95 so i was too young to see it when this came out so i definitely knew the end of this movie you 100 percent knew for sure yeah okay so it's been spoiled and that's uh probably just word of mouth wouldn't have been internet at that point um well, I didn't see this. You know, your little AOL forums. Shut like, up. Oh, man, how does how ASL, how does seven end? <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't see this until oh, after Saw, I think. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I may have watched this the first time with you, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm not all that familiar with this movie. Well, not, not I'm not familiar with this movie, but it's... I've seen The Bone Collector more than I've seen this. Yeah, I have not seen The Bone Collector more than a few times, and probably only with you. Um, Angelina Jolie is my favorite. When Saw, when Seven, whoop, that's going to happen once or twice. <laughs> when Seven came out, like, the, the playground was a titter about it. Like, everybody was talking about it. We don't have Twitter it. yet, so we're a titter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was on the, the lips of every kid who wasn't old enough to watch it, but we all had older brothers. Her head's in the box, guys. Yeah, everybody knew about the the uh, obese They live near a train. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It rains a lot. I hear it rains a lot. I'm told it's important. But yeah, everybody knew about the, the guy getting fed to death, uh, uh, the, the head being in the box, the, the big twist ending. Like, everybody knew about it. Mm-hmm. What was crazy, though, is when I watched it for the first time, however many years after that, it still really worked. Um, not that I, I forgot about it, but I still felt it 
the same way I may have the first time seeing it. Like, obviously, there's some surprise that's taken out of it, so I can't really speak to what that was like. But even by the time we got to the end credits, uh, knowing what was going to happen, it still felt awful that it happened. Yeah, and the whole time, too, you're like, wait, what sins are left? So you're, like, counting in your hands. You're like, okay, we've done gluttony, we've done sloth, we've done this. Okay, so envy. What's envy going to be? in like, wrath. Who's wrath? Yeah, right. Well, that's going to be a big one. That's the end one. Yeah, for sure. My one complaint, and this is just a horror fan in me, Mm. is we get a lot of gluttony. Because gluttony is the first case. It's the first incidence. And we're set up with this really gross room that's like claustrophobic and there's grimy windows and there's grimy everything there's food there's flies there's bugs you have there's this enough grease behind the fridge to, to write, write in the- it oh. yeah <laughs> and you have this corpse that's distended and his some stomach is expanded and the, the coroner shows you the gut and you actually see the gut and it's gross and so i'm just getting ready for like i'm like oh these corpse scenes are going to be great and then the you get second, one corpse scene in a cop movie. And then the second corpse scene, it's just Brad Pitt watching TV in some guy's office and then greed <laughs> is written on the ground. And you're like, where's our corpse? You owe me a corpse here. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I think that, that scene with Brad Pitt watching TV is a great scene because it really shows how much he's in over his head. Yes, that's that's true. I guess my, my only issue is I, I always seem to forget that the story is is the bread and butter of this movie and the seven deadly sins or the seven deadly corpses are are not the star. I get Whereas it. Whereas if this was geared more towards being a horror film, say so say as Saw is, where yep. Saw is horror first, cop thriller second, mm-hmm. um, where we get to see the reverse bear trap and the um, barbed wire thing, we would have seen more of the seven deadly sins splayed out, I guess. Okay, two things, though. Have you ever seen a cop movie, like, as bleak and depressing as this movie uh, that makes you feel so uncomfortable in your skin? And would it even have been better if you saw some of that stuff? Because when we go into the brothel, for instance, with um, Lust, is that the seventh? Yeah. Yeah. So when we go into the brothel with Lust and we do not see that woman who's tied up to the bed, we can see her feet. That's about it. We definitely know she's dead because there's this guy freaking out. We see the contraption that he was wearing to kill her with. And hearing the descriptions of that is is don't way think- more than it would have been if I had to, had to watch it. Uh, I don't know. Watching that actually would have been pretty terrible uh, now that I think about it. Yeah, that would have been a different film entirely, though, because then it would have been like a rapey sort of. But because there's seven, because they have to get to seven, uh, I think there. Well, there's technically only five, given how they end the film. Ooh. But... They have to shut up, John. <laughs> they have to almost speed on through some of them, and it makes me kind of sad. Like the plastic surgery one, the vanity one, where they glue the pill bottles to her hand that she can overdose on, or the phone at which she can call the police, but they've cut her nose off, yeah. so she has to live a life without a nose, or she can just, you know, swift exit. He cut her nose to spite and, her face, and how she's almost like she's splayed out, like she's like a Christ-like figure. It's that's such a wonderful scene to look at, and we, we're we're there so briefly that I'm just like, no, give me more of these corpses. So here's the thing. It's it's not my job to defend this movie against your points. Yeah, but, John. But <laughs> if I could just jump in for a second here, jeez. <laughs> he does call him and say, like, hey, in light of today's events, I'm going to have to speed things up a little bit. Like, it's literally a plot point that they've caught him in the middle of it. And they are way ahead of schedule. Oh, yeah, because they find his his 
quarters. Yeah, like the the movie was always supposed to end the way it ends. It's just uh, he was supposed to have more time. He was supposed to be able to complete these acts as he wanted them. He was supposed to have privacy, but he knows that they're breathing down his neck, so he has to just go through them. In fact, he does three of them in like a day, basically. We've got to get through there before Morgan Freeman retires. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. He's like, oh, shit, I really should have started last week. Oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah, the real reason this is called Seven is because Morgan Freeman's retiring in seven days. Yeah, retire in seven days, seven deadly sins. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that? No. You had some clever thing. You Oh, no. No, I was wrong. You were wrong. We were both wrong. I was (laughs) wrong just now. (laughs) We start with sloth. Oh, SSS. That's how we start. Seven, seven, sloth. And then it was like, yeah, wait a minute, gluttony. gluttony. We're like, oh. <laughs> Shit, we don't know a goddamn thing. Yeah, like the fucking pine saw things, the pine air fresheners, yeah. is so good. That is such a good idea. It gets a point from me just for those just fucking for pine air fresheners filling the room. And then he's alive still, and you're like, oh, what man. the fuck? Yeah, and talk, so he, there's the other thing. Like, we could have seen so much more of that guy. We see enough to just, like... He almost like lose our lunch and yeah. he looks like a mummy he looks awful but he... talking to the doctor is where like that real horror of that idea yeah is. but the doctor's like his brain is mush and you're like doctors right. don't say mush well he, that's, <laughs> it's, he's like if his brain wasn't mush which it is uh, <laughs> he'd be wait hold the phone there you just crushed my soul Basically, he's like, he ate his tongue, uh, that, you know, there isn't much pain that this man hasn't experienced, and he still has death, or he still has hell to look forward to. <laughs> Landlord said he was the best tenant he ever had, and they're like, God, I didn't have a, this is, oh. Well, no, no see, <laughs> what I think is really interesting about that, that part, specifically, is that that's speaking to Morgan Freeman's, like, larger picture of the city being apathetic. He was the perfect tenant because all he did was provide money and, not, and and never ask anything else from the landlord. Yeah, Morgan Freeman's character is so sad. Not sad, just disdainful. Do you kind of see the three of them, like Brad Pitt, uh, Detective Mills, Lieutenant Somerset, and John Doe as just radicalized versions of each other almost? Because we have Brad Pitt who's like new to the city and green and thinks he can like change it. He's a hero who's going into battle. I'm listening. And Morgan Freeman has kind of had that beaten out of him. Uh, and he has become as apathetic as he never wanted to be. And if you take that apathy and disdain for the city itself uh, and radicalize it, uh, you get a John Doe character who thinks these people aren't even worthy of living anymore. Mm. So they're all like the same... They're all on the same train. Yeah. Also, there's three of them, and Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three points in a triangle, Illuminati, it's Seven. all connected. <laughs> I think You're we just wrong cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. Hmm. Some things that I don't like, so they end up ca- figuring out where John Doe lives because they do some shady stuff involving an FBI contact. Yeah. And they're able to figure out who's taken out a bunch of books on the Canterbury Tales or a, a bunch of a bunch of different stuff. On basically Dante's Inferno, all that kind of stuff, and they end up at John Doe, the killer's house, yep. where they find all of his ranting and ravings, but no fingerprints though. It's kind of strange, no mm, fingerprints. No um and it ends in a chase scene where Brad Pitt is neck and neck with the killer and the killer actually gets to the point where he's holding a gun to his head. Yeah. And he doesn't shoot him. Nope. I guess he's got a big plot and it involves him. And It's a bigger plan, yeah. I just... <sighs> if it was Morgan Freeman, do you think he would have killed him? I don't know. John Doe's so self-righteous. They're also his audience. That's true. Who will clap? 
if he kills Morgan Freeman. Well, I also... I, I, I Dondo think... has the upper hand! <laughs> <laughs> that chase sequence is incredible. Um, it's so much longer than I ever remember it being. It's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. It goes on forever. Like running on cars and stuff. Yeah, it, it's not even just like, oh, got to get out of the building as fast as possible. Goes out of fire escape, runs in an alley, goes to another alley. They got to break through a plate glass window and some chickens are loose in the street. Like, it doesn't work like that. He's going through the building. He's gone through apartments. He's gone into, like, the back service way. And it takes a very long time. And we also see that Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman have two very different approaches of how they're going to get to John Doe, which is very true about the rest of the movie and it kind of shows brad pitt as this hero who's gonna charge into battle have people shoot at him and not let it stop him which is ultimately his downfall like it's he's able to fly off the handle as it were (laughs) almost like he's filled with rage an unquelched rage he's a really interesting character because um for more reasons than one, obviously. But yeah, he, as much as Morgan Freeman is willing to bend the rules, he's never going to do anything. He's never going to flat out break them the way Brad Pitt does. Brad Pitt just kicks down that door. They have no reason to be there, no legal right to be there. And and by kicking that door open, he's jeopardized absolutely everything. Because if they don't have a good reason to be there, whatever they find inside is completely inadmissible, inadmissible in court. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I had to say. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I feel like we've just like wandered into the be- the middle of this movie. It's but fine. Yeah, like there's not. Uh, we talked as... about gluttony. Yeah, and that's all that counts: gluttony <laughs> and greed. A pound of flesh, no more, no less. Um, what? What's that look for? Nothing. <laughs> because I remember the rhymes in this movie. I'm sorry. Perhaps. You know what's interesting? Just talking about like the apathy that Morgan Freeman finds so unhealthy. I don't know. Like he just sees it as like the trouble with mankind. Like we're all horrible people. Uh, when they're going in to find Sloth, where they, they think John Doe is initially, um, and they've got, like, the whole SWAT crew with them, Brad Pitt starts relaying this story about, like, hey, have you ever had to pull your gun? I had to pull my gun this one time. Like, oh, shit, buddy of mine got shot. Spun him around like a top. Killed like, He died in an ambulance on the way there. What was his name? Like, Brad Pitt is perfect for this city because he doesn't even remember a guy who died beside him. Probably a guy he went to the academy with. Somebody he knew. His partner. Called him a friend, I'm sure. I don't was... think it was a, his partner. I think it was a just another fellow cop. Yeah, either way, like, it really upsets Morgan Freeman that a person... He was in the ambulance with this guy, so he probably held his hand while he died and doesn't remember his name. Yeah. And that's maybe that's not necessarily Brad Pitt's fault. Mill's fault. I'm not even calling him by the character's That's name fine. anymore. Yeah, okay. We who's not gonna say Brad Pitt? It's Brad fucking Pitt. <laughs> um, just that there's no. We don't leave any lasting impression on anybody, even in death. That's so bleak. You, that this whole movie is bleak. I think everything David Fincher's ever done is stupid bleak. <laughs> In a good way. I love it. It's pretty fucking incredible. You know, you seem really impassioned by this movie, which is surprising. I didn't realize how much you loved it. I've seen it a lot. Uh, I want you to talk to me about once we find John Doe. So John Doe walks right into the police office and he uh, puts his hands in the air and he lets them arrest him. Yeah. That's the third act of this movie is him driving with Detective Mills and Somerset to lead them to the final corpses, the yeah. the final piece of his seven deadly sins. Where he says he's got the other two bodies. Buried, hidden, yeah, whatever, kept, yeah. whatever. I'll take you to the, other, the the last two bodies. Yes. 
But the, the, the drive is like 10, 15 minutes long where we're just getting, we're just hearing from John Doe. John Doe is just talking and I want you to talk to me about that because I found that incredibly boring and I found it was kind of lackluster. Like I want, I didn't want to find out who John Doe was. You know what I mean? But that's just me. I want to, I want to hear what you think because I, yeah, I just want to know what you, what you got out of John Doe. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I would also like to know less about John Doe, but I don't know that we ever really know anything about him personally, period. Like even the end of this movie, like we, we understand his ideology and how much he hates people. That's kind of about it. Um, I don't know, like that drive over, he's not really explaining too much about what he does or why he does it. I guess he is. Like he he finds human beings disgusting and not worthy of of anything. Is it like a religious thing though? Does is he I think it's more than just a religious thing. Like I think it is um I think it's just like an existential thing. Like we if you want to look at this in a nice way, like, oh my god, we are so lucky to be alive. We just happen to be on a planet that's so close to this other this giant ball of fire like that life exists like what a mystery it is to be alive and how do we spend it oh we go shopping we eat food we ruin our lives with drugs uh, or we just care about what we look like more than anything like i don't i don't think there's a single person out there that this guy actually like looks up to um i don't even the most humanitarian person he probably thinks is self-serving in some way but you're right. I don't know that he's looking for us to worship God either. Like, I don't think he thinks people are supposed to just be vessels for some Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even Brad Pitt says, like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're today's nude. You're a t-shirt. There's like, yeah, you're the world isn't going to change from these seven murders he's done. Yeah, that's that's a cool scene, too, because he tells him that we are going to go down in history. I am going to make you famous, which is pretty, pretty nuts when you know exactly what he has planned. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But Morgan Freeman's probably more interesting that um, he asks him. He sees it seems like you get a lot of enjoyment out of this. Like if you're supposed to be the hand of God and everything's preordained and you're just carrying out his will, why do you enjoy it? It should just be a job. That's interesting. And you can tell, like, for a moment, Kevin Spacey... He has a pause. Like, yeah, he has a pause. Like, John Doe doesn't... It, it, maybe it never occurred to him that if I'm enjoying this, then it's for my own sick pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. I mean, I like I like that. Well, but... yeah, and then he says, like, is it? A, it's not a sin for somebody to take ple- pride in their work. Yeah. Like... It's, it's interesting, too, because I guess, like, his work is... There's a purpose to his work. Like he's he's making some tapestry that people will look at and and change the course of humanity, I guess. Like um maybe more telling of of him is um the scene when they're in a, his apartment and they're reading through his notebook and he's talking about how there was a man on the subway and he was talking about like the regular boring banal pleasantries about like the weather and whatever and I placated him for a little while and then before I knew it I threw up in his face and I couldn't stop laughing. That kind of sounds like every teenage like narcissist that I've ever met. But, <laughs> um, but Yeah, he's definitely young in that notebook that they opened. <laughs> right? Yeah, he he has a 17-year-old's mind in that book. <laughs> But um, I hope that isn't something that's lifted, like, directly from, like, the screenwriter's journal. Like, just twisted a little. Um, But whatever, everybody's got dark side. He looks at everything human beings do as being entirely futile. And... But fucking... 
who are you, Jigsaw and Seven Deadly Sins killer, to tell people how to live their fucking lives? Right. Yeah. It's not it's not about all these like one little instances that define you too, right? Like it's a whole scheme of things. Also, if he's going to make some woman, see, I'm talking about Jigsaw here. <laughs> he's going to take some woman who's a drug addict, put her through some traumatic shit so she can get clean again. Who's to say she wouldn't have gotten clean anyway? Like, I don't understand and now why. now she has PTSD. Yeah. You know, it seems like rather than trying to create rock bottoms for people, we're just going to end your life. That's it. <laughs> okay, so back to the notebook thing, though. Like, I mean, there is uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. The, the story of him is, like, he also fucking hated humans. He just hated life, and he went nuts um, slowly, I think. But, like, the thing that, like, really broke his mind, apparently, is, like, one day he was walking home, and he saw some he saw somebody who was um, whipping a donkey. and Because the, the donkey wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, or it couldn't carry something. And he just kept whipping it and kept whipping it, expecting it to have a different result. And just, like, the futility of what he was doing and just, like, the uselessness of it just, like, destroyed him. And just, like, that's where he, like, lost everything and became catatonic. Did he buy the donkey? No, he didn't buy the donkey. That's what you would do in that situation, though. You'd be like, fuck, you're being mean to that donkey. I'm going to buy that donkey, and then I'm going to buy the donkey an apple while we walk home. And that donkey will never have to work another day in his life. That sounds great. I mean, like, that's how that's how a good person would, would try and solve that problem. I'm a philosopher. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> you know, guys like John Doe or Nietzsche just, like, um, don't see, like, a point in going on. <laughs> they, they have this, like, fundamental hatred for for people that they think are just, like, wallowing in the mud. I don't really get it. Like, I'm trying to to put myself in, like, the, the mindset of that type of person who just hates everything and why. But it's like they just can't understand why anybody does anything. Mm-hmm. It is really interesting what you said, though, about how Morgan Freeman's character is so much like John Doe in that sense. Because there's a lot of instances where we get to see his life when he's not clocked in, when he's not a detective. And it's just, he lives in this tiny apartment, he has a dartboard, he has a metronome that he falls asleep to, and you see kind of like that apathy commingling with loneliness. Mm-hmm. We, well, I, yeah, I think the type of person he is does not allow for anybody else. Like, he is cold, and he... Well, if if he's that apathetic to to everybody, because that's the only way you can get through the city and like that cold, tough skin that he's developed to try and just survive does not allow any room for love. But the whole movie, I'm thinking like, what is this guy going to do in retirement? Like he has not set up a life for retirement. Like maybe he's saved money, but what is he going to do? I think he says something about having a, a house in the country. I think the original like cold open was supposed to be him going to buy a house and driving back into the city. Like you see him in the country and he gets a vision of like what his retirement's going to be like. And then he's got to like make the long haul back into town where it's just raining and dark and ugly. But he's got no family. Yeah. I think he's going to live the rest of his life with regrets for that. But maybe he'll get a dog. Maybe. It is just interesting how quickly he's embraced by uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who is Brad Pitt's wife. Because they're, so Brad Pitt's moved from the, like, small town country life, and she doesn't have anybody. And she's reaching out to him. Yeah. I wonder if, I I was thinking about that too, because she could have just as easily 
gotten on the phone with anybody back home. Her mom or something. I don't think they come from a place where getting an abortion is an idea that you even have. Mm. I think that's it. She can't, she doesn't have anybody she can talk to about that. Even all of her girlfriends, if she says that, won't have a moment of, how do you feel about that? It'll be like, oh my God, that's so great. I can't wait to tell everyone your business. Mm. Uh, But Morgan Freeman won't say anything. And she knows he won't say anything. Also, he's the only person she knows in that city. So not only is it just the, the only other person she's met, but the the only person who understands life where they are now. Like, is having a baby here a good idea? Is that something I should do? You think she keeps it? Or you think she plans to keep it? Because um, <laughs> you never, I you never find out what she does, what she doesn't do, um, or what she plans to do. I don't think it matters. Well, to yeah, honest, there's there's the thesis for the movie. Yeah, Nothing matters. It doesn't matter. Um, I do really like the line, though. Morgan Freeman's advice is that if she's going to get rid of it, never to tell Brad Pitt. Yeah. And the fact that she never has the conversation with him means either she's already decided and she's not going to keep it or she hasn't decided yet and she's dead now. Which yeah. is, both of those are sad. Yeah. When you were originally bringing up John Doe coming into the police station, I remember when we were watching, I just, I just like sunk in my chair when he got to the cop, sh- the, I want to say cop shop, that's not, <laughs> not a nice way of saying it, but the police station, when he rolls into the police station, uh, everybody's already dead, everything's already set in motion, there's nothing they can do, nothing matters. And that's just so depressing. Like when you know the end of this movie, that is the moment that hits the worst because it's already done. It's already done. Yeah. Time is a flat circle, nothing matters, blah, blah, blah. Oh. This movie, like, the the Morgan Freeman character is essentially the Matthew McConaughey character in True Detective. Yeah, but by the end of this movie, the point is, is that Morgan Freeman's character learns value in human life. I think he's always known that value. Yeah, but he recognizes it because he sees, like, this person that he's grown to... I wouldn't say love, be fond of Brad Pitt. Hmm. He he becomes a value like a valued equal to him, and he sees him as a person. Yeah, and his wife, who he's gotten to know and be fond of, and this tragedy that's befell them because it's a complete tragedy. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's gonna be he's gonna go down as this murderer, and he's gonna spend the rest of his life in jail. And he was starting a new life with his wife in the yeah. perfect place for him who's gonna take care of his dogs oh my god you didn't even think of that uh that was one of the that was one of the things morgan they, freeman what he's taking those dogs the country oh, he, yeah. he would take them all i was uh i was a little skeptical on on some of the stuff you were talking about there but you're right the as bleak as it is it is a little bit of an uptick right at the end where he has that quote from ernest hemingway like this um this world is an awful place and worth fighting for and uh, or no, the world is a lovely place and worth I, I don't remember it exactly but the world is a nice place and worth fighting for and I believe in the second half of that sentence like the world is not a nice place but it's worth fighting for like that's he would not have agreed with any of that at the beginning of the movie his character would have just said nah it's all lies so he's coming around maybe he'll continue to be a cop I think the thing too though is that he doesn't learn to appreciate or learn to love he just learns that he already kind of does because at the very beginning of the film it's we we hear it every day like how many days away he is from retirement Hmm. and this film is um sectioned by day like monday tuesday wednesday early very 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 early on 
we know that Morgan Freeman's the only one that can crack it. He's the only one that that knows Dante's Inferno, um, the Seven Deadly Sins. He's kind of like leaning out his office to give everybody kind of clues. And Brad Pitt really wants wants to go on the case. The head detective is like, mm. um, but Morgan Freeman doesn't want to take it because he's retiring. He doesn't want to leave it half open. Yeah, he, doesn't he doesn't want to get invested. Finish, yeah. um, makes sense, but. At night, he's researching, he fills an envelope of facts and clues, and is tipping off Brad Pitt. And so, essentially, he is working on the case. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't want it to be, but it's it's his it's his character flaw that he can't not, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think he does actually care. He does. And so, the end is just his realization that he was, he, he does care. Yeah, he's just struggled with telling himself that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And- I mean, we were we were talking about what we were watching at the metronome. I think is is very uh, symbolic of his of his apathy because he uses it to drown out the world around him and just isolate himself in his own thoughts. And that's really where the scales tip a little bit when he throws it away because he's willing to accept that there is a world out there. Um, it's not just him. He's 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 throwing away like that that solipsist living you have when you're in the city where you just think you're the only person that exists and everybody around you is just part of your own fucking mind, but because uh, that happens. But um, it's not a nice ending. <laughs> like there's nothing good about it. Can I ask you a question though? Sure. Do you think John Doe wins in the end? Yeah. Do you think his entire? Do you, okay, maybe a better question. Do you think he assumed Brad Pitt would kill himself? Brad Pitt would kill himself. Yeah, think of all of the the seven deadly sins we've we've examined. They've they're all there's all there is a body count for each of them, except wrath. John Doe is the body count. John Doe is the body count for envy. No, Gwyneth Paltrow is the body count for envy. What does she envy? No, John Doe envies Brad Pitt's life. Yep. kills Gwyneth Paltrow. So here's that's what he says to him too. I came, I went to your house. You have a lovely house. You have a lovely wife, and I, I wanted to tell you, I really admire you. I guess I became envious of you. He even tells him before he shoots him, become wrath. He tells Brad Pitt to become wrath, and he does in yeah. shooting John Doe. But I'm, I'm just thinking like there's, there's a dead body for each of those sins, like. Yes, I don't Gwyneth know. Paltrow. Oh is my the- God, no, <laughs> no, no! That's I don't think so. I don't think so. He, he himself, John Doe is envy. He's not wrath. He's envy. Despite the fact that he's been walking around killing a lot of people and fits the bill for wrath, he is envy. Maybe, maybe the worst thing that he could do for a guy like Brad Pitt is not to kill him. It's to ruin his whole life. And to to kill his wife, to send him to jail, to do whatever. If that even happens, I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying, that the body is not representative of the sin. But I think the, the box has been checked with her death. I find hers very interesting because she is 100% innocent in anything. She hasn't committed a sin. She hasn't done anything at all. Mm-hmm. She is just a tool that he uses to become envy. <laughs> I think him being envy too doesn't it doesn't quite like it's a weird fill my yeah. expectations like I don't expect him of being envious of a normal life I think he's perfectly happy doing what he's doing when he's doing it what he's doing hey I gotta tell you um he seems very smug in my most cynical pessimistic days where what <laughs> let me finish my sentence there's oh, a comma at the end of this in my most cynical pessimistic days where I'm just like down in the dumps 
hate the world, think everything that I'm doing is a struggle and not necessarily worth it. Like, the the dark thoughts I have is like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I just wanted the simple shit that person wants? So, like, there's your envy. Like, I think that's what he's playing on, mm. right? Like, oh, wouldn't it it'd be, be great so this... easy to be you? And if only I could be you, life would be better and simpler, even though it would not necessarily be something I want. It would just be easy. And for that, I envy you. I wish I was as dumb as you. Like, it's it's layered in a lot of mm. hatred. And it's dark and awful. And uh, I, I, I see where they're going, but I think you're right. It is... It feels a little loose. It's not It's not as tight as the rest of the movie. He's like, hmm, who can I do for MV? Oh, I'll just do it. I'll, I'll just, oh, yeah, I'll do me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said I had to speed things up. They'll get it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll have like an hour and a half in the car to explain it. I'm sure there'll be no questions <laughs> at the end. I, I'm, I might talk in circles, but I mean, that's my MO. That's what I do. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to talk about about this movie? I don't know. Um, which death affects you the most? Mm, go on with pine trees skip yeah that's sloth. the one that you're yeah. just like if if you had not that you're gonna but if you had to skip past one that's the oh one you no skip i at. wouldn't skip past it. no no you i know, you, I know you, favorite no I, I said which is the most like unsettling like oh. which one gets you the most <laughs> like yeah when when you watch it which like your heart sinks while watching this movie where does it sink the lowest uh i like them all okay how when do I rephrase Paltrow's this? Is sad, I guess. Which <laughs> sad, I guess. Which of these deaths is the bleakest? Which is the darkest? See, my problem is, is that I, I, I watched this movie at an age where I was like, "Cool, Seven Deadly Sin deaths." So that's how I watched the movie. I think I'm they're just like, all Woo, cool. All right, I think they're all cool too. But there's something about lust that is just awful and is horrifying. That's what I'm getting at. That one goes too fast, though. I don't even count that in the set. I need that one to go fast. Like, the way that that guy is just like, he had a gun in my mouth, oh, God. Like, it's just... Yeah, but aren't you thinking of the logistics, though? Like, how does he have a gun in your mouth if he's making you do the with the thing? Like, is he standing over her face? He's probably standing beside the bed. Leaning in? Like, looking down? Like, I... I think he beholds his creation. What's she doing? Not like slapping she's, at him, she, like without. She's tied up. Oh, for all we know, she's pumped full of drugs. She might not even know that it's even happening. Mm. I don't know though. That place is pretty loud. I think anybody could scream, and no one would. Like, like, no one like, would care. Brushed on past greed. Greed's a good one. Yeah, I like the painting. I, you know, these like, the 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 craziest thing about lusts too is um, that it happens practically in broad daylight. You know, like, there are so many people around and so many people who just don't give a shit. And to the point, they know somebody has been murdered and business is just going on as regular. That's a really seedy building, though. Yeah, I know. That is, that is like the, like, if if the apathy had an origin in that city, it started in that <laughs> That's building. That's its heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Very good. What's your rating on this movie, then? I'm going to give it a 3 out of 4. I, I give this movie a 3.5 out of 4. I obviously love this movie. I've maybe seen it a little too much. Um, but, yeah, the ending is... Uh, the ending just feels a little light. It's You know what, though? It's so shocking, the head-in-the-box scene, that I think we're being exceptionally critical of it. I think for me, it's, because, it's specifically like the envy wrath thing. Like I just like yeah. I, I think it's just the shock has worn off from the the box thing because when you first see that and when you first find that out, like 
nothing else exists. It's just what this character is going through and whether or not he's going to kill John Doe. Yeah. Which I have to say is good television. (laughs) It is very good. Uh, But that's just our opinion. I'm sure you have your own. Let us know your thoughts on both James Wan's Saw and David Fincher's Seven over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street, in the Horror Movie Fiend Club on Facebook.com slash groups slash Horror Fiends of NOFS, and of course, in the official NOFS subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street. You did those all right, John. I'm really proud of you. Thank you you so much. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have a quick second, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're grabbing this podcast. If it does not have a rating system, you can leave us a review on our Facebook page as well. Um, Anything you can do to help us get the show in front of more people, tell a friend, tell your weird dentist, you know he's a sadist, sadist. Vagina dentata! (laughs) Oh, that's not even a dentist. What am I getting at? (laughs) (laughs) we are controlling transmission nightmare on film street is brought to you by baphomet and co small batch soap inspired by horror and the macabre this week's pick is the mccready bar a rugged masculine soap that will give you chills Inspired by the 1982 film The Thing by John Carpenter. Memories of a cold stranger in a darkened kennel, an air of suspicion, and trust forged and broken. Get 10% off your order with the code NIGHTMARE at baphometandco.com. That's 10% off with the code NIGHTMARE. Baphomet and Co. Made by hands, sometimes severed. Want to reach the cool creeps? Advertise with Nightmare on Film Street to get your brand out of the shadows. For more information, head to nofspodcast.com slash advertise. Like Kim said, a review is a perfect way to help support the show, and it doesn't cost a damn thing. Nightmare on Film Street is a passion project between the two of us. It's produced, improvised, and edited by Kim and myself. And if you think it's worth a dollar, we'd love to have it. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to check out all the cool perks you can get by becoming a full-fledged supporter of this little podcast. Uh, there's a whole ton of bonus content there for you. Mini episodes, drive home from the drive-in, like full episode reviews of all new horror movies that are coming to the movie theater. Yeah, for this week's episode, we have a little bonus episode hitting Patreon where I put a game together for John. He's going to have to guess some cop thrillers based on the names of the detectives in those films. So that is live now on Patreon, exclusive to Patreon supporters, and you can get that at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. She sounds real confident, but I gotta tell you guys, I watch a lot of film noir in my spare time. But I'm does he watch this game? Ashley Judd and mm, Angelina Jolie films is the question. Okay. Not- <laughs> Uh, that is the game. <laughs> not my area of expertise. We'll see how I do, I guess. Double Jeopardy. Either way, that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation 
on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends.